What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat writer for Mass Live, and I am joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe and good pal Sam Sheehan. Go Nux. How you doing, man? Go, go Nux. They're currently playing right now. They're up one nothing. So by the time you hear this, you'll either know that I failed miserably or uh, we got game seven tonight. Or you won't know either of those things because you don't follow the Nucks. There's there's a pretty big crossover, I think, between uh, Celtics fans. And Any crossover there is for Celtics fans and the Canucks is probably spurred on by you. Well, that's great. <laughs> Congrats, I was guys. Say, we've been calling them the Nucks, so even people who might know who the Canucks are <laughs> might be very confused anyway. So. It's, there's it's the Nucks. We're starting the Nuckus. It's fine. <laughs> So we're uh, mostly talking about the Nucks right now because the yeah. Celtics blew that one. Recorded a couple hours after game three, the Celtics had a, a chance to go up 3 nothing. They were up by a point with 0.5 seconds remaining. OG Ananobi hit a three to put Toronto kind of back in the series. So throw it out to you guys. I mean, what was your takeaway from the final play? What was your takeaway from kind of game three in general? I mean, the final play, I still don't totally understand, like, how it happened. I feel I feel like you do kind of have to tip your cap a little bit, I guess, to Nick Nurse on this one for a crafty ATO that could sort of flummox. I mean, the, the, what happened there was the Celtics were zoned up, right? Am I, am I wrong there? I, I honestly think that the players are right in that it was just a giant miscommunication. I, yeah, I like, They kept yeah. reiterating that, and I don't think that's just, like, uh, like, fallback. Like, I genuinely think it was a miscommunication. So, like, it's hard to say without the visual, but in trying to explain it, Tatum starts in, like, the corner closest to the Raptors bench on Ananobi. And then Ananobi starts to, like, creep along the baseline. But when Marcus Smart gestures, he's pointing – Tatum's to stay in that corner because Fred Van Vliet like appears to go to that corner and Kyle Lowry said after the game that initially the play was for Fred Van Vliet by the time Ananobi gets to the opposite corner he's just wide open Kyle Lowry spots him Jalen's caught up in the paint with Marc Gasol and Kyle just throws this incredible pass and by the time it's in the air and Jalen Brown realizes what's happening he's the closest defender so he just turns sprints offers the late contest, puts his hand up. But I, I think it was just a miscommunication because after Tatum stays in that corner to keep track of Van Vliet, somebody was supposed to rotate to Ananobi and nobody took yeah. him. It looks like Daniel Tice thought that Smart was saying that he should go guard Van Vliet because Tice switches on to Van Vliet instead of staying on Gasol. But if Tice had stayed on Gasol, everything probably would have been fine because Tatum yeah. went to go guard Van Vliet. Smart was up at the top to guard the pin down that Gasol went to try to free Pascal Siakam, which would have freed Jalen to go guard Ananobi. I know that's a lot of things for people to try to visualize just from us talking, but like I think what happened was Tice and Tatum weren't sure who was supposed to guard Van Vliet, and as a result, they both did. That's what put Jalen in the position to have to guard right. both Nicole and Ananobi. 
Jalen had to suck in for the run, like the, the man, yes. the man in the lane. Like, and that, that's how the corner opened up. It, the question is like, how did Gasol shake loose? And I, and I, th- that all sounds right to me that there was a miscommunication on who was supposed to guard Van Vliet in the near corner. But I mean, it is very hard to like see in real time. And, you know, it does require a perfect pass by Lowry and very quick shot by Ananobi that he somehow got off. And just, I don't know. I, I don't think Taco being on the court really had anything to do with it. I know people were mad about that, but his job was basically just be big. I don't think that was necessarily like overthinking anything unless that substitution was what confused guys. You know, if you practice guarding plays a certain way and guys rotating a certain way, maybe that could account for the, you know, that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I, I do think this was like Brad's worst coached game so far. Seems like he could have called a few timeouts a little earlier in the third and not really sure what Enos Cantor was doing out there today, but um, that's that's just kind of – that's my take on why the Raptors had a chance to win it at the end. Well, just one more last thing on the final play of the game. This wasn't even their second option. Their second option was a play for Siakam, Kyle Lowry said. So mm-hmm. I feel like this was – Which is what Smart was cutting off. I feel like this honestly was like – Kudos to Kyle Lowry and kudos to OG Ananobi. Like that pass was incredible. Like that pass totally outdid Kemba's incredible Mm -hmm. pass to Tice literally the play before. And then, like you said, Sam, OG gets that shot off so fast. Like it wasn't even a question if it was in time. Yeah, it's funny. I don't even think it's like a tip your cap to Nick Nurse thing necessarily. Both of his options were completely stymied by the zone. Like the Celtics had a miscommunication. They had a breakdown. And Lowry, I mean, like you said, all credit in the world. That was an incredible pass. And Ananobi had to hit a really tough shot. And it was just kind of like one of those things. I actually do want to, if everybody's good on that final play, I do want to get into the canter thing because – I 100% agree with you, Sam, that this was Steven's worst game in like a little while because I, I don't see what the vision was for Ennis Cantor coming in there. Like after the game, Brad said something about rebounds, which like, I guess. And then, and then I know that, you know, having Cantor against the zone offensively makes some sense, but I just kind of mm-hmm. felt like, look, let your stars figure out how to play against yeah. the zone. Let them just figure it out. Like, right. you don't need Ennis Cantor in there. And then as soon as Cantor came in, all of the Raptors players started getting really comfortable. Like, you yeah. could just tell that there was, like, a different swagger mm-hmm. to the way they were playing, a different sort of confidence when they were shooting. And I really do think that having Ennis Cantor in the game and just, like, giving them a chance to tee off against him. I don't love dumping on Ennis Cantor. I, like, I really don't. You you know what he is. Yeah. I mean, Sam, on the other hand, I think loves dumping on Ennis I, I do. Okay. Let him so. have at it. <laughs> so. Well, I'll just, I'll just finish by saying, you know what Ennis Cantor is. You know what he's going to give you. Like, you can't expect him to be something different than he's been for, like, his entire career. And what he has been his entire career is somebody who does not match up well with this Raptors team. Okay, go ahead and dump on Ennis Cantor. Okay. Well, first off, normally, yes. Now that I have, I've been vindicated because a a huge amount of my Ennis Cantor um, slander, uh, let's say, was because I I thought Rob Williams deserved more of a chance like in the regular season. I wanted to see Robert Williams get more work in the regular season because I did, I did see that he would be valuable in playoff matchups like this. And I am, I think I'm kind of vindicated at this point now that Rob has been, you know, a pretty big part of the Raptors still really haven't come up with a way to beat Rob. Rob's only ever beat himself and it hasn't been that bad. So, you know, I I think I'm vindicated there. What I want to stress here, because I think that what people get tied up with, with Ennis Cantor is like, you know, he's scoring, he's rebounding, the score is not changing that much. Like, I I don't know what he was in plus minus, I would guess it was not that much of a difference. It was like, probably like negative two or something like that, or negative three. 
The difference is what had led up to that was the Celtics had started the third quarter cold, as Tom had said. And you have a team that is not handling the zone well. Um, and the Raptors are slowly creeping back in it, but I think it was coming after like, I think six minutes of the score barely changing for either side. Yeah. Like the Raptors were gaining ground, but it was like six points or something like that over like a, a long period of time. It was a rock fight. The Raptors were not comfortable, just the Celtics were less comfortable. I think that sort of how the series has played out so far, the Celtics have looked like the better team the entire series. Like the, the more talented team, when when everything settles down and, you know, sort of all the water levels return to level, it looks like this is a series that like favors the Celtics. So I think that by bringing in Enos Cantor, even though you are, you know, you are kickstarting the offense, you are generating things, it's not an offense that involves other Celtics. So nobody else is really getting a rhythm from that. You know, he's getting rebounds. He is extending plays sometimes. Um, he is scoring points. He's treading water. But the Raptors, as Tom said, just got so comfortable being able to do so much out of the pick and roll and, and get these wide open threes that I really do think that that kind of changed the complexion of the game. Even though they were kind of coming back before that, it, it felt like the same kind of rock fight where it was like talent's eventually going to win out here. And I really think Steven should have just let Jason Tatum eventually figure it out because I'm pretty sure he would have. Well, and like, there's two things about that. One, I don't understand what the thinking is there because like, like, let's say that the zone continues to hurt you. Are you committed to playing Ennis Cantor against the zone? Like going forward? Like, I, I feel like you just kind of have to figure it out a little bit. Even if Cantor comes in and plays well against the zone, what does that do for you in game four? Like in game four, when they go zone again, are you going to bring Ennis Cantor back? Like, I just don't think that's like a feasible thing. I, I don't understand the thinking there at all. I think the shot that really kind of made me think like, oh yeah, the Raptors are like back now was that Lowry three because Lowry yeah. had not made a three. And then all of a sudden he's like fading to his left and he hits this tough shot. And it's like, that's a rhythm shot. Like that's a shot where yeah. a guy has gotten himself comfortable. And I really think it was because he and the Raptors had just kind of teed off against a guy who can't guard the pick and roll. It seems like a, if it's if it's broke, don't fix it type of thing, right? Like, yeah. you know, I know that they barely won game two, but I mean, the Raptors haven't proven to me that they know what to do with Robert Williams yet. I, I just don't think that, and I know that Daniel Tice has had his own ups and downs. The war on Tice continues, but you don't need to make an adjustment. If you're the team who's winning, the team who's up 2-0, you don't need to make an adjustment until they do. It just felt a little quick on Brad's part to me to give him credit where credit is due. I think playing in his canter in the Sixers uh, series was a huge part of that too, of like really breaking their back. So, you know, credit where credit is due there, but this is just not the series for Enos Cantor. It's just not. There's no reason. <laughs> Anytime Marc Gasol plays, that's a win for the Boston Celtics. That's just got to be how Brad's looking at it going forward, in my opinion. I think that's exactly right. It, it is one of those things, too, where it's like I think that the Celtics would be, you know, I'm sure this is a very difficult loss for everybody involved, like Jalen. There were a bunch of Celtics media people saying they hadn't heard Jalen curse in Boston. I was like, I, I've heard this several times. Yes. <laughs> yeah. like, Maybe we don't hear, like, three F-bombs in one press conference, but he's definitely sworn before. Like, I was yeah. – everyone I – can, I can think of three specific examples <laughs> off the top of my head. I don't, I don't understand why, like, everybody was trying to make this into this. Actually, like, the, the media coverage, it's so overwrought, like, right now. I think it's because nobody's down there, so, like, everybody's, like, trying to make, like, a big deal out of everything. Yeah, yeah I get it's the playoffs, but everybody's trying to, like, ratchet it up several degrees. Like, Jalen has never cursed. Like, what are you talking about? Jalen curses all the time. Not Rob, but he, like, he curses a fair amount. <laughs> 
Like, you know, like all this stuff about like, now we're going to see if the Celtics are mentally tough enough. It's like, I think they're probably mentally tough enough. Yeah, they're, 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 they're before. Fine. Like, what are we doing here? Like, it's a 2-1 series in a series that most people expected to be, you know, probably 2-1 at this point. And then like Toronto media goes and compares this to Kawhi's shot. And it's like, <laughs> those, I mean, I guess like they were both buzzer beaters, but like that was game seven, a shot that bounced four times on the rim. And they yeah. went on to win the championship. The championship. How is this comparable? This is game three. Like everyone just needs to calm down. I saw one Raptors reporter post a clip of OG's shot with the broadcast call for Kawhi's shot. And I was like, what are we <laughs> doing here? Yes. Yes. Awesome. So cool. Uh, no, I love that. Uh, all right. I'm actually, I'm coming around. I'm a Raptors fan now. Sorry, guys. I, I don't know. I saw, I saw one of the Raptors reporters like, would, uh, would Smart, I don't, it was game two and Smart flopped. One of the Raptors reporters was going off demanding I, he get free. I tweeted that exact tweet at Nicole. It was yeah. so good. Or I texted that yeah. exact tweet to Nicole. It was so good. It was like, Marcus Smart deserves to be arrested and prosecuted for the whole extent of the law. <laughs> they wanted Marcus Smart to, like, they wanted him to, there was a Hatch Act violation. They wanted, <laughs> they wanted him brought up on a Hatch Act violation. Oh, God. Bottom line is it was, it's a tough loss for the Celtics, you know, especially because they really had the Raptors, like, in a corner. It really felt like to me after game two that that was kind of the best punch that the Raptors had. And the fact that the Celtics were able to extinguish that and kind of nudge them, you know, a little bit closer. It, it felt like this was kind of the Celtics game to lose, but then they did. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, like, the Raptors are clearly champions. Like, Kyle Lowry's that dude. He is. We, we, we've, we've said a lot about like Kyle Lowry but like he really is like that dude like he's missed so many shots in the first two games and he's still like just down the stretch getting buckets like multiple times like I think he, he probably got fouled like twice down the stretch on like driving to the rim getting buckets that like weren't called you know the Raptors clearly have more mental fortitude than the Sixers this is not the you know same series I did this series will probably end up going six eventually I, I would think I do think the Celtics still have this you know pretty well in hand do you guys want to talk about minutes, by the way? That was something I noticed. The Raptors played a lot of minutes tonight, like the starters. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, wow. Lowry played yeah. 46 minutes. To your point about Lowry being that dude, like, he can't hit right now. He cannot find it from three, and he's a good shooter. Mm-hmm. And he is still just, like, really – I mean, he had 31 points tonight. Like, he is really impacting the game. Like, he's really good. I mean, before those back-to-back plays at the end, he had those two layups, and he—you could tell—he was like, "I'm taking matters into my own hands. Like, I'm just yeah. mm-hmm. go to the hoop." And he did, like you said, he's mm-hmm. hasn't been shooting well, but like he can still get a bucket, and it, it's really impressive. I guess just like some some impressions I've had of the Raptors, like I mean, like Siakam obviously is having a tough series because the Celtics have so many guys they can throw at him that are all mm-hmm. like perfectly suited to guard him like Grant Williams has done a, like a really pretty good job on him like Shemi can guard him and that and those J- are just Jalen's like, yeah I'm like working my way up to the guy who has done yeah. an amazing job which is Jalen like Jalen yeah. has been incredible I am so impressed by Ananobi I know that's an easy thing to say after he hits like the game winner but like he's been so good and just so rock solid defensively like and honestly, like, I know, I know it's like in, in vogue, but like, people were like dumping dirt on him two years ago. Serge Ibaka's been very solid this year. Yeah. For, for the Raptors. Like, I think they would be up Doo Doo Creek without a paddle if, uh, Serge Ibaka was not here. Cause I'm, I'm just going to say it. Mark Gasol looks cooked out there. Every minute that Mark Gasol is playing is a win for the Celtics to me. And he can't guard anyone. Like, I, I know he's like getting some points here. He can still screen. He can still do some things, but, 
that's something the Celtics have to take advantage of because and, and go, you know, as many out as they can at a time because Mark Gasol is he's done, man. I thought Nick Nurse was going to make a starting lineup change and put Serge Ibaka in the starting lineup, but I could have seen that. I don't understand why Chris Boucher isn't, like, playing at all. Like, I know he's not, like, a perfect matchup for the Celtics, but, like, I mean, it's not like Gasol has been – I don't know. I, I just don't think Gasol has been very good. I mean, I'm sure there's a good reason why because I haven't necessarily seen, like, a ton of Raptors fans screaming, like, hey, put Chris Boucher in the game. I would give it a shot. Like, I, I just – I mean, I feel like every time, you know, one of the Celtics gets downhill against Gasol, it's going to be a good look. I think Nick Nurse does have a little bit of a chess match going on where Ibaka is – kind of the best bet against Rob. And I think that if you put one of the other slower bigs in, it'll be even worse. And I do think it's kind of smart to have, if you want to maximize damage against Rob, have him lunging out to block shots on the perimeter is probably where you're going to get Rob in the most trouble a lot of the time. So like he's done a good job sometimes, but he's done a bad job other times. It's been kind of a Russian roulette a little bit with Rob closing on Ibaka out on like the three point line. So I sort of get that, but I, I do agree that like, if the problem is like, should I start Chris Boucher or like, um, you know, Marc Gasol and is that going to like make him, if it's like a politics thing for the Raptors, brother, you got to get past that. Like, like you real, do yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> like you need to do something here. Well, I say that after they won the game though. So I guess we wouldn't see that till like game five or game six hypothetically, but we'll I see. Also, I also kind of don't get, I know he's not a perfect player. I don't get totally why Norm Powell isn't playing a little bit more. Because I feel like every time that dude shoots, I'm pretty convinced it's going in. Like, and you know, he's been shooting since the bubble starts, since the playoffs started, he's shooting like well over 40% from free. I mean, I certainly wouldn't want to like doubt Nick Nurse. He's a great coach, but like, I feel like that he's done some things in this series that I, I've kind of scratched my head at a little bit. When I was like gaming out before like game three, like what adjustments I would make if I were a scrambling Nick Nurse, I think that the one I would make is try and play five out more. Right. No center, you know, no play Siakam at the five and just see what happens. It's not like the Celtics, besides Cantor, the Celtics don't really have a, you know, a wide assortment of guys who are going to hurt you for that. Siakam's strong enough to like, I think, survive against Tyson Robert Williams, like, you know, you're not going to, I don't think you're going to get pounded there any worse than you are otherwise. Well, I think the only problem with that is that it gives the Celtics a chance to play like their, like their best five. Although I guess their best five aren't available now because well, Gordon Hayward's in. Yeah. That wouldn't work. Yeah. No, that, that, that could work. Um, you guys want to do some, uh, some sort of quick hitters here? What are, what are a couple other things that kind of stood out to you? Well, so just to Sam's point earlier, this isn't necessarily a quick hitter, but I was getting ready to come on this podcast and be like, yeah, the Celtics are like championship contenders and like yep. they're just go to the finals. Like, I mean, the fact that like Gordon Hayward isn't available right now, Tatum had like a, didn't have a good night tonight. He scored 15 points on five for 18 shooting. Oh, he had a, yeah. I don't think he had a good night period. Yeah. One for four from three. Like he was sort of a non-factor and the fact that they like basically should have won the game, like, that's really impressive, and they've looked – I think they've been the best playoff team. I don't know. I just – I feel like this is usually Sam's take that he's starting to feel things, but, like, I just feel like it's hard, they're a hard team to beat. Like, I mean, in the I, same way that we shouldn't overreact to the Celtics, like, blowing out the Raptors in game one, we shouldn't overreact to the Raptors hitting, like, a corner three at the buzzer. Like, I think yeah. all of those things are still true. Like, the Celtics have still looked really good through six games. The Heat still have a really good chance to knock off the Bucks. 
No, yeah. I agree. It just it sounds premature to be like the Celtics are going to the finals right well, now. Yeah, this. Like now yeah. is probably not certainly. the time for that take, but if they had won, I would be ready to like dish that out. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that's still where a lot of people's heads fits where my head is at. Like, I've, I've kind of been thinking that ever since, I've kind of been thinking that since we've like smacked around the Sixers. It's hard not to look down the line and see how everything's lining up for them. <laughs> like, I really do still feel like the Celtics are very much in control of this thing. I'm kind of opening myself up to some, <laughs> some bad things here. You know, things <laughs> do turn around, but I, I didn't get the impression that the Raptors solved anything this game. All right, so just a couple quick hitters I had. Early in the first quarter, I thought one smart thing that Brad did in a game where I didn't think he had his best game, I liked subbing Tatum out early and bringing in Shemi right away for two reasons. One, obviously Tatum with the second unit has had some success in the past. But two, I think that puts a lot less pressure on Shemi when he is asked to do a lot. He sometimes struggles. When you put him in with all the other starters, he really is just like that release valve, you know, stand behind the three-point line, maybe take a shot if it comes out to you, you know, just kind of let the game happen around you and then, you know, participate when it requires that. In terms of trying to buy some minutes via Shemi, I thought that that was a good way to try to do that and to try to put Shemi in a position to succeed as well. I think that's an underrated strategy, I think, when it comes to Shemi especially, just because, you know, for all those reasons you just laid out, you know, that Shemi is not the Celtics' most skilled player. I don't think I'm stretching anything to say that, but, you know, he is very tough, very generally, like, knows what to do and is is – you know, relatively switchable. So I think the more talent you have out there with Shemi, the better chance you give him to succeed. And that's not something that's necessarily true of some of the other Celtics rotation players. Like, I don't think Brad Wanamaker, it's the same thing because he, you know, he kind of needs to handle the ball sometimes. And I do think that that is like an interesting wrinkle for Stevens to have. And I think that that's something he could even experiment with too. I also don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world for him to try that for Tice sometimes yes. and you you know just have Shemi play center and just see what happens that's something that has happened in like past seasons the Shemi at center um and it's been it's worked pretty well um and I, I think Shemi's strong enough and Mark Gasol is washed enough that you might be able to get away with that at some points in this series the Celtics bench deserves some credit so far because I think heading into the postseason, they rightfully were getting a lot of criticism just because they don't produce. And that's still true. Like, I think Robert Williams is the only reserve that has had, like, double-digit points. But it's not like in the bench minutes the Celtics are getting killed or, like, it's a very obvious drop-off from starters. I mean, I guess there is an obvious drop-off just because the Celtics are so top-heavy. But it, it's not, I guess, as big as a drop-off as – maybe fans were initially worried about. Grant Williams played 18 minutes tonight and was plus 11. And that doesn't seem like an anomaly so far. I would agree. Um, That being said, like, they haven't really played teams. Like, they played the Sixers, who, I mean, their starting lineup was already, like, very fragile, so they were not very deep. And then the Raptors, theoretically, I guess, are deep, but like Sam noted, they stuck to their starters tonight. So I guess, like, that might be more of an issue against the Bucks, which last season the Bucks bench killed the Celtics. So we'll see if that holds true. But so far the Celtics bench has been, like, very much, as Brad would say, like, playing their role, doing a good job within their role. Yeah, I, I don't think that you would have predicted that in Game 3 of the series the Celtics would play 11 players and the Raptors would play 8 of those eight players, only seven played double-digit minutes because one of them was Matt Thomas, who came in and like kind of low-key uh, played pretty good defense against Jason Tatum before the Raptors subbed him out and kind of panicked. Just real quick, uh, Quinn Hughes just scored on assist from JT Miller, so our knocks are up 3 nothing. 
Let's go. Go Nucks. Go Nucks. So this is probably not very engaging content, but I'll ask anyway. Is there an Ennis Cantor on the? Yes. Oh, oh, I'm, gl- I'm so glad. I'm so glad you asked. His name was Adam Gaudet, and he's terrible. He's a brain tree boy, though, so I don't think that's probably a bad thing to uh, bring up here. But I was gonna say that name sounds familiar. I think I've heard people talk about him before. Yeah, he's definitely like while you guys have been covering. I'm sure he was a big deal. Like while you guys have been like covering Boston area sports, so he's a brain tree hockey genius, but not in the NHL. Okay, a couple other quick things. Uh, Jason State was passing. I know we touched on it in the last episode. That dude is progressing very quickly as a passer. It's pretty crazy to watch him out of the pick and roll. I mean, he's going to be running a whole lot of pick and roll over the next four years or however long he's in Boston. And uh, the more he does it, the more comfortable he gets just kind of slinging that thing around like to the three-point line, you know, throwing little lobs here and there. I think he threw a nice one to Tice today. Yet again, Tatum's passing I thought looked really good tonight. Question to a question. Where do you guys think Jason Tatum is? Like, if you guys were, you know, if there was, like, a NBA draft for, like, everybody in the league and, you know, you're trying to win this season and you're picking all the guys, where where do you think – where do you guys think Jason Tatum is right now? I mean, I would take him in the top ten. That's kind of what I was getting at is that I think he's there. Like, I yeah. really think he's become uh, – Nicole brought it up, so I don't feel too bad saying this. I think he's become best player on a championship team guy. Not like a, a LeBron-style, like – best player on the championship team and like the engine and there's no help but he could be the best player on a championship team so this might sound ridiculous because of how well he's been playing and he had that really great stretch after being named an all-star but I think the biggest question with Tatum is like okay can he really do this for eight weeks or however long the playoffs are going to be because I guess prior to his budding superstardom he's always been kind of like a streaky player and um had cold streaks and stuff. And I, I don't know, we haven't seen that yet. Like we haven't really seen an extended one in a while, but I'm curious to see whether that will hit him so far. They've seemed to just be like a game or two, usually one, but I'm curious to see if he sort of experiences that at all. Like, yes, I've also wondered that Nicole, I guess I feel a lot more confident in him since he had that hot stretch and then he came into the bubble and obviously he had the first game that was really bad and ever since then he's just been magnificent. So, you know, I mean, I don't think he's going to shoot 46% from three for the rest of his life, but like I, maybe he will. When, when you when you take like his on-off splits, so the, the Bucks, for example, were plus 13.8 when Giannis was on the floor. The Celtics were plus 11 when Tatum was on the floor. Like I think he's going to be a volume scorer for quite a while. I mean, I'm sure. I like right now in the playoffs, he's averaging. It's probably gone down a little bit. I know he was averaging about 27 points, 28 points per game before tonight. We know he's going to be a really good defender. We know he's going to be a really good passer. Like you know, this is obviously really premature, but I mean, I think like two, three years down the road, I mean, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if you're talking about Tatum in like the MVP discussion. Oh, Um, I for sure wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Like, if the Celtics are still good and he's easily their best player and he's putting up numbers like this, it's like, I, I don't know what else, what other conclusions you could draw at this point. He's in the perfect situation, and like you just described, his game is perfect to be in that discussion if everything sort of follows that trajectory. You know, everyone's starting to realize that his idol growing up was Kobe, and everyone's starting to realize that, like, uh, Tatum's offense looks like Kobe. You know, he's he's streaky like Kobe, but, you know, his ceiling is becoming a modern version of Kobe that can, you know, play defense, and that's a very scary player. You know, obviously we're talking about, you know, to your point, we're talking about an MVP here, you know. 
we're really starting to see like some pretty lofty ceiling things. You know, I'd be surprised if he's not a fringe all NBA guy for at least, you know, the next five or six years of his career at this point, you know? So, and it's just, we've come, you know, so far and that's to say nothing of, you know, anybody else on the team or what might happen going forward. So good on Jason Tatum. He's a good player. More and more people are saying it. What if Tatum is just like taller Kobe who can shoot threes? That would be pretty insane. And plays elite, elite, you know, help and transition deep, like help. Who actually earns his spot on his all defense team. Right, exactly, exactly. (laughs) I would not be surprised if the next stage in his development is just like expanding his range even farther. Like he'll shoot the occasional three from like a step beyond the the three-point line. I wouldn't be surprised if two years from now he's launching from like the, the, the Damian Lillard distance. Maybe not like, quite the Dame distance, but like yeah. far. Like you're like, oh wow, that was deep, and then it's just cash. The Pierce style, uh, I would guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Well, we will leave it there, guys. Thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you to anybody who's rated to review the show. We really appreciate you. Feel free to hit any of us up. Don't hit Sam up. Don't subject him to anything. Uh, you can. You you can. I'll, I already have all the most um, crazy psychos in my mentions. It's fine. Everybody else, hop in. Adam Goddard's family members are about to come. Yeah, through. yeah, they're 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 invited. They're I forgive Adam already. The Nucks are up four nothing now with two minutes left. On that note, we will talk to you guys all after game four. Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You're over the big three carriers. You deserve better. Xfinity Mobile. Now you can get unlimited with 5G included for just $30 a month on the nation's fastest, most reliable network. So break free from the big three and save with Xfinity Mobile. Take the savings challenge at XfinityMobile.com slash savings to see how much you can save when you get Xfinity Mobile and Internet together. Reduced speeds at 20 gigabytes per line. Most reliable based on Metrics U.S. report. Results vary, not an endorsement.